everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I'm your host, Brandon, and here with my co-host, Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Um, I'm here, uh, ready to go. Let's get it. And co-co-host or co-host of the co-host, Dan? Hi, you might remember me from other podcasts such as Why Movie and Television Currently Sucks and Why the 90s Was the Last Great Decade. Honestly, those might be real. (laughs) We should have looked that up. Oh, you sound like a hater right now, sir. (laughs) About what, the 90s or the the movies and TV? Somebody uh, posted on their Twitter uh, about uh, not uh, Henry Mudd. I can't remember the whole uh, message or whatever. I'm the only person (laughs) on on planet Earth that seems to love this character so much that I want more of him. It might... It might have been Brandon. We can't rule him out. (laughs) Brandon created an account just to let us know. And uh, our Twitter is at WWST underscore podcast. So there's there's that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're covering season two, episode nine, which is Metamorphosis. And the original air date was November 10th ish, 1967. And this one does not start with the Enterprise flying around. It starts with the Galileo shuttle flying around. And in that Galileo shuttle is Bones and Spock and Kirk. And uh, Commissioner Nancy Hedford is on there. Uh, and it was actually pretty nice to start uh, somewhere that's not the Enterprise. Like, I don't remember the last time we did that. I don't remember either because uh, you, you mention it every time. Yeah, every single time. Yep. Yeah. Because that's how every single one starts. They're just flying in space. It's almost like that's what the show's about. <laughs> what a thought. Uh, but uh, Nancy Hedford is complaining about not already having uh, some like vaccines or shots against Sakuro's disease. And uh, Bones tells her that it's an extremely rare disease and that the odds of getting it are literally billions of one. So she's just incredibly unlucky. Uh, and she tells them that she was sent to Epsilon Canaris 3 to prevent a war and that thanks to the inefficiency of the medical branch of Starfleet, she was forced to leave before her job was done. So immediately we just get like a shit ton of exposition, but it was given really like oddly. Like it did. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they wanted us to know these things and... I feel like they were just like, we don't know how to tell them. So well, um, so when I thought about her, she's almost like the Commodore, how annoying they are. Like, they got this this arrogance about them. Like, it was like her. I mean, she was like that character. I was like, oh, I, I hate her already. Oh, yeah. In- instantly disliked her. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Kirk assures her that she'll get back to her job uh, once they reach the medical facilities on the Enterprise. And that's going to take them four hours and 21 minutes. Uh, and- apparently, it doesn't have warp speed. <laughs> no. Yeah. The Galileo. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, four hours, twenty one minutes. What if it had been it might faster be for them speed, to bring bro. the Enterprise to them? That's, that's what I was wondering. Like, may, maybe there was some kind of like treaty where they didn't want no Federation ships in the zone because it might involve them. Or they maybe they thought maybe it would start a war or something. So we got to send uh, the Galileo so it doesn't look like we're attacking. Yeah, uh, but and it's always weird to me too when they use the Galileo because they can literally teleport you places. So, like, why even have the shuttle when you could just teleport? Me? No, well, some places have shielding, dude. Some places have, have that kind of shielding where okay, they can't transport a man, so they got to go in with the shuttles. Well, and how Star far Wars is teleportation shield? also? Maybe you have to be in in such a range to be able to do it. In some places, you can't yeah, yeah. can get close enough to do it, though. So, I don't but know. But I feel like if you're within range of a shuttle, you're within range of a teleport. Uh, like, no, nah, maybe not. It could be the opposite way. It could be that... Transporters uh, think it's like, let's say, 100 yards, and a shadow, I can travel from 1,000 yards. You know, so maybe it's a distance thing. Okay. Well, all right. We'll leave that one alone for now. <laughs> um, I think we had this conversation before, didn't we, when they crashed the shuttle on the planet? And we were like, uh, why the fuck do they even use that when they can teleport? I don't remember uh, why they used it but now they, you, yep. you got to get your money out of it somehow. Like, look, we spent yeah. you know, $100 <laughs> we billion dollars on no, the shuttle. We're going to use it. Of, so, okay, let's, get, let's bring it down real quick. This is a real uh, big thing. Okay, so matter and energy. Let's say I can only transfer you know, a football field's length, and that's as far as I can go. Well, if there's some kind of reason I can't get close enough to that, then I have to find a way to get you from there to there. So if I can only move, if I can only transport you 100 yards and we're 200 yards away, can we get any closer for some kind of like asteroid field or something like that? Then I got to have the shuttle go and not the and not the transporter thing. So like I understand the whole balance of it. It's like one, even though the one's quicker, maybe it don't have, can cover much distance. Okay, like yeah, that makes sense, but that's like incredibly uh, niche. Though. No, it's <laughs> not. That's what we want more often than not. It has to. More often than not, especially if the range is real limited, we don't know how limited the range is. Look, look, and here we I, thought I, this was going to be a short episode for us. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to make it canon in my in my head that 
they didn't want Federation ships in the war zone, so it didn't look like they were being aggressive. And I'm going to go with the yeah, fact that... that makes the, sense, too. Yeah, we have all these debates right now, random debates. Anyway. <laughs> yes, like an asteroid field, I think, would be like the perfect uh, time. Oh, I, I don't know. Would you want a small craft in an asteroid field? Probably, because it would be maneuverable, and you probably couldn't get like the teleporter through. So, yeah, I, th- I feel like that would be a good reason to have the shuttlecraft. Yeah. Or maybe the gravity on a planet is so strong. I don't know. I, I had no idea. I'm just I'm, I'm curious. I'm willing to bet the original creators didn't even know why the fuck they had a shuttle. <laughs> they they just did because like it offered them more opportunity to write shit. They, they're like, look, we we built this you know little shuttle. We got to get you know our money's worth out of it. So we have been on. Larry's been bitching ever since he bit it that we never built it that we never used the damn thing. No, after watching this show, we've been on many planets that have electron interference or whatever that we couldn't transport on. And we've been able to go down with the ships and land on them okay, with shipwires and do and do things. That's that's actually really fair. Yeah, they they always have like some kind of electronic disturbance, and the teleporter always gets fucked up. So yes, the I guess the shuttle does make sense for that. Or or maybe Kirk just wanted to be a dick and not a uh, rush. You know, getting her to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you should have come, or, or I'm not going to give her luxury. Yeah, but it's but it, honestly, this episode it seems like they dropped them off to some kind of conference and they went off to go do something else. Right. Like they dropped them off in, in the ship, and like, oh, here's a shuttle. And then went off and did something else, and they're coming back later on to pick them up. That's what it kind of but, assumed but, in this episode. That's probably a fair point, but what's more important than stopping a you know a galactic war? Then stopping another galactic. Was, I don't know, same thing. It was just a planetary war. It's fine. Oh, there are a lot of planets. War. My, my bad. Yeah, there's a lot of planets. No, nobody yeah, cares. Exactly. You lose one or two here and there. Who cares? <laughs> How do we get on this rant right now? Oh my god, this episode is going to be wild. Yeah, we're like we're like seven minutes in, this and we haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> we're still in the first two lines of my notes. Oh my god! Uh, so uh, so Spock alerts Kirk to Kirk to something on the scanner, and uh, they look out their front window. They actually like have a big window screen. They're just like in a big metal box, and they have to roll down their windows what? to get to the window. Why wouldn't you be joining the view? Why would you have like the shutters shut? Well, at this point, when you've been in space that long, like, is it really that great anymore? Like, it's just kind of, you know, it's just more stars all the time. Exactly. Fair point. But, but yeah, they look out the front window and they see this big, like, strobing light that's uh, headed directly towards them at warp speed. And, and it, looks like try the, it looks to... like a very bad Nike uh, symbol. Like, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not get that out of that. I thought it was just like a big cloud looking thing. But, okay. Uh yeah, so they try to change course, and uh, the the cloud thing stays in front of them, and Spock's sensors tell him that it's vaguely like a cloud of ionized hydrogen, but with strong erratic electrical impulses. So uh, the cloud makes contact with them, and their power starts flickering, and then they lose control of their helm and their pods, and uh, their communications go out. So Kirk decides to cut all of their power relays before they overload, so that way they're, they're, they don't just get fucked forever. Uh, Hedford demands to know what's going on, and uh, nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Chance is like, you you should know what's happening. Like this, this is a I, regular thing that's going on. I, I actually laugh because you're like, I I know the same amount of information that you do. <laughs> yeah, like we didn't we didn't tell you you don't know what this is. Yeah, <laughs> like she's uh, in the same fucking room. She can hear the conversation. They don't know what this is. She's yeah, like literally I, two feet behind them. <laughs> yeah, and um, I want to say like this scene right here, I thought was amazing. By the way. Like, I know they were in just a little box in the room, but the convey of, like, the lights they shined in there, the light shining, the, the camera angles, everything moving, like, it really yeah. conveyed. There was, like, really some distressing going on. And for the time and how cool that was, it was very clever to get all that across just by, a, like, a couple of lights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. So, um, Spock points out that they're heading towards a new uh, heading. I guess, as McCoy reminds them that Hedford needs to get to the Enterprise because of her condition. And once again, it's like, we fucking know. Like, yeah, what, what, do you think we're doing this on purpose? Yeah, I was yeah. like, what bad dialogue right here? Freaking, <laughs> didn't you just hear we're being abducted and we can't do anything yeah. about it? Like, look, I understand we're being attacked by an unknown space cloud of electricity, but we really need to get her to a doctor. <laughs> like, okay. Bones, um, that's Bones' again, first Kirk concern, says though. he knows. Yeah, Kirk says that he knows, but he can't do anything about it. And, uh, He's basically like, uh, just enjoy the ride because we can't do anything about it. 
Yeah, but we get, like, he's like, look, we know that we have to do this. There's nothing we can do right now. Like, we have no control. Our power's out. This thing is whatever the fuck it is. It's messing with us. And then Hedford's like, well, I insist that you pr- proceed on your original course to the Enterprise. <laughs> Again, you know, in case you missed it two seconds ago, when we told you and then we told Bones, we cannot. Like, we, we, I don't know what to do here. Oh, man. So Kirk tells her that. Yeah, he's like, uh, like, I'll do what I can, but for now, the only thing we can do is sit back and, and enjoy the ride. And, and my note says, like, is she dumb? Like, does, does she not hear what's going on here? <laughs> how did like, she get her in a position? <laughs> She's going to stop yeah. a plane at war. <laughs> she can't even, <laughs> yeah, she can't even figure out what's going on right now. Oh, man. That's rude. Jesus. Oh, so I, we I, get a... I will say, if they had Scotty with some... He would have strolled up a fatty like, you know what? We're just going to enjoy the ride. <laughs> you know, yeah. He would have slapped that electricity and put it to use in the ship and made it power their ship. So uh, so we get the show opening. And uh, one of the first things I did notice about this, though, was before the opening and after the opening is that we're they're using a different soundtrack than they normally do. And I really enjoyed uh, the music that they used in this episode. It's stuff you know that why, I don't though? think that they've used before. It's, it, I think it's more about cause this, this, uh, the director's love story thing so i think they're yeah. like trying to like change the whole all the music in general right but uh yeah we come back from the opening and the galileo landed on a planet and uh kirk is trying to contact the enterprise but he isn't having any luck because earlier they said their communications don't work uh so mccoy just starts reading off the atmospheric makeup and temperature of the planet and he says that it's practically identical to earth because it always fucking is and spock notes that the gravity is similar to earth as well because it always fucking is so uh, he says that uh, they're that, not that really on be, a planet. It's more like a planetoid that's and it's totally suitable for human life. That would be interesting, though. They they they, they change it up like, oh, it's four times Earth's gravity, so they're like just yeah. walking around really slow. Just anything like there are billions, like hundreds of billions of planets, and every one that they land on is Earth-like and perfect, and like suitable for them. Okay, every I want to say okay, I want to defend them in a way that maybe that's the only ones they actually can land on. Like you got to remember, so. Since they're landing on thing without without all the protection gear, who wants the protection gear one time? Maybe they're only able to land on planets that are that can actually be good for human life. Therefore, well, like this was another case of where they they didn't land; they were forced there. So, like they were going there whether they could or could not. Yeah, but but like so like when it comes to um, so what I'm saying is like maybe they fly past all the planets they know that are bad, and only time we only time we know this is because they only land on planets that are good. So we don't ever. Like we don't ever, uh, they haven't ever mentioned the planets that can't do human life because it doesn't matter because they can, can go on them anyway. Well, the thing is though, they never know that they're that they can breathe out in that atmosphere until they've already landed on the planet. They yeah, have which, the capability which, of scanning that from the Enterprise, but they don't fucking do it until they go. So like they go down there and they land and they're like, we can't breathe here, and then they just leave. <laughs> okay, we need an episode that, like that. Like, I'm that thinking that maybe this is why they don't have this like any sort of protective suit because there is no fucking reason to at this point. Everything is just fine for them. I, yeah. I will say uh, uh, the Orville that was kind of a love letter to Star Trek. They did an episode where they landed on a planet that had like ten times gravity and they had to wear special suits so they wouldn't be crapping out their organs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. do something like I that. I saw that one. But no, everything's always perfect all the time. Okay. But they get their phasers and uh, they prepare to go outside and they have a look around and uh, Hedford has to stay in the shuttle. And uh, outside, like they go out there and it's mostly purple sky and like a kind of purplish rocky wasteland. Uh, So Spock checks on the ship and he says, well, nothing's wrong with it, but nothing works. And McCoy says that his tricorder has picked up the ionized cloud off in another direction. And suddenly, uh, off in the distance, a man starts yelling hello at them. And uh, he just kind of comes running up and he asks them and or he, he approaches them and asks them if they're real. And uh, they are real. Kirk's like, yep, we're, we're pretty damn real. And he's surprised that they speak English, which everybody in this series has so far. So I don't know why that's surprising. Isn't uh, English a universal language? It, it seems like <laughs> it is. Yes. But uh, Kirk's like, yeah, we're, you know, we speak English. You know, we do regular human things and we are from the Federation. And uh, the guy seems super confused about what the Federation is, but he introduces himself as Cochrane, and he says that he's been marooned on that place. And uh, then it gets real fucking weird because he notices Hedford, who was supposed to be in the ship, and he's he's like just talks about how like beautiful she is. Like he's just 
really weirdly like looking at her it's just like yeah a, a lady Ooh, oh, a beautiful lady <laughs> you know not to jump it's ahead but when you've been way. alone for 150 years <laughs> your, your, your game yeah, but, is gonna be a little off but dude, like, gotta, he, it was it was creepy but, <laughs> like and his kirk introduces everybody <laughs> yeah, like, kirk introduces everyone and he gets to Hedford, and he's like, yeah, this is Hedford. We don't really like her. And Cochran <laughs> says, like, he looks at her, and he's like, yeah, it's like food to a starving man. And he's like, like, <laughs> he's like wait a minute, all you are. his belly too. button or some I shit. <laughs> it's real weird. Oh, man, it's amazing. Oh, man, the yeah. times. The times have changed so much on TV shows. <laughs> he said yeah. food to a starving man. <laughs> and, like, not, even, not even to her, oh, just in front God. of her. <laughs> he talks <laughs> about her in front of her. Well, he, he, he did try to correct perv. himself. Like, oh, oh wait, all, all of you are like food to the belly. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's like, like, yeah, no, you're all great. You're all great. <laughs> you're all great. <laughs> He's like, food yeah, to it's the uh, Oh, my God, it's so perfect. A little unsettling. Oh, yeah. man, it's food to a starving man. I was like, you. Yo. And, and it like, doesn't help boys that, like, like, yo, bro, you can't say that but after 150 <laughs> years you kind of get a pass but food it doesn't help that he has like these weird like very bright crazy blue eyes, blue eyes. Like, I wrote that down too his eyes like, are so like blue psychopath. I, dude I couldn't stop staring at him I was like yo his eyes are really blue man Oh man, the, he, had, he has like this kind of reddish complexion to him dude yeah like, I don't, he's, like he's been fake baking almost he has blue eyes and his <laughs> eyes are so blue i wrote it down i swear i but yo his eyes are like blue blue yeah oh yeah, man he's he's Food a fucking starving a man sure. oh come on he was some break he's been alone for 150 <laughs> dude, I'm years using that line. well that's I'm why because he one, has dude. no fucking game he's gonna be alone for another 150 because he got he got no game I you I, food to a starving man has to be on my list of things to say, say to somebody. I mean, man, girl, you look like food to a starving man. Like, what? You're like air, you? air to a drowning man. <laughs> oh. But uh, he takes a look at the Galileo, and uh, McCoy is just taking some readings to confirm that Cochrane is a human. And Cochrane says that they're not going to be able to get their ship working. And uh, Kirk tells him that he's like, "Yeah, we were forced to land here. We don't know what happened." And uh, he asked Cochran about the, the cloud, but uh, Cochran says that the only thing he knows is that, that there's some sort of damping field there to prevent their power systems from working. So uh, Kirk asks him how, did he, how he got there, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was just marooned, uh, but you can come into my shelter if you want, which, again, fucking weird. Like, is he going to eat them? Like, what's he going to do? And uh, <laughs> he turns to Hedford, and he's like, yeah, and you could take a hot bath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. Like, oh, thanks. I noticed, or something about what was it like? Uh, yeah, she was like sarcastically. She's like, "Well, that's really perceptive of you to notice that I need to take a bath." Like, <laughs> he's like, "You sick girl!" I bet you, like, yeah. your food, food is definitely, but man, you gotta clean up a little bit. He's like, "I promise, I, mean, I don't have a two-way mirror and a video camera in there." I, I put hot bath. Wow, my notes because <laughs> you can't say that. This episode is so amazing. This part right here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm dying. Yeah, he's that. a creep. Oh, creep. <laughs> he looks like such a perfect. Just oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you Kirk asks for more details on how Cochran got there, and he has this bullshit thing. It's like, well, I, I can, t- I'll tell you everything I want to know, just not right here. Uh, like, why? Like, what's specifically is stopping you from telling them right there? Like, is there something about the like the geography that you don't like, or is there like a weird bug nearby that you don't want to hear your conversation? See, see that would have been cool if they would explain. Like, look, if it once it gets dark out, like these weird, freaky alien things are gonna come out and just eat yeah. you. So we gotta get to like, the like house. Pitch black. Yeah, <laughs> like pitch, we get a pitch black. I got you. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he's just like we can't talk here, and then he's like, wow, your shuttle's really nice, and then uh. Kirk asks Spock to explain him to him how the ship's propulsion system works to just kind of, you know, take over for a second. And uh, Kirk and McCoy go and have a little chat. Uh, Bones notes that Cochran talks a lot, but he doesn't say very much. And uh, Kirk says that Cochran really looks familiar. And and McCoy's like, yeah, I agree. He does look familiar. So they talk about uh, Hedford's disease for a second, and then they just decide to go to Cochran's place. They're like, this is really boring. Let's go check out this nerd's house. Um <laughs> So we, we go a little bit later and we're at Cochran's house, which is really fucking nice. Like he, he has built like a solid place that I mean, in this town, that that place is going for like 350 K. Oh, for sure. For real. Well, I'm, I was wondering, <laughs> and, uh, um, like if he built it or did the companion uh, make it 
make it because I knew she couldn't make living things, but I thought she could make matter. So maybe well, he, he says right here that uh, he uh, built his shelter from tools and supplies that he had left from his uh, shuttle crashing. Oh, okay, okay, I, I heard. Him, okay, I didn't really think about it like that. Okay, so this is just the shuttle he had. He took it and made it into a home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he tells him about how he built it from the the tools and the sh- or the stuff that he had from the crash, and then he tells them about uh, the vegetables that he grows, and uh, he invites them to come inside the house. So they do go inside. And uh, Kirk just immediately starts touching shit because he's like a child. Like he sees this <laughs> this expensive looking like mechanical thing, and he just picks it up. And uh, he's like, "Wow, how'd you get this antique?" And uh, Cochran says that they're his instruments. So uh, Hedford starts bitching that it's too hot, and uh, Cochran goes to get her a nice cool drink. And while he's gone, Hedford complains about the whole situation as uh, Kirk and Bones note that her high temperature is uh, the first sign of her disease. Uh, so Spock uh, is outside. Is, is there, are there other signs for diseases? Her just bitchy nonstop? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be part of it. I don't know. She was that way before, I think. I mean, you know, she's she a is very a, unlikable oh, character. Know, I won't clarify, but, you know, mm, so. <clears throat> she's easy on the eyes, but a little less attitude. Like, yeah. look, we know you're dying, but, you know, we're trying everything we can to get you <laughs> off this planet. <laughs> like, just shut up. Yeah, she's, like, super unlikable in this. Yeah, like, uh, uh, they made her, like... The thing is, for the times, they made her like an extremely like emotional next level woman, like very hysterical. Her reactions are way over the top or whatever. I'm not sure if they did it like because that is kind of the stereotype back then or they did it because they wanted to make her overreactive. But every situation she speaks or talks in this whole thing, her reaction is just to level 10 and it should be like level six or seven, you know? Well, like I get that she's dying and she's going to be dead in like three hours and some odd minutes, but... She was unlikable from the start, like when yeah. she, everything was fine and it was just like a routine trip to go get a vaccination. Like she was still shitty then. Yep. Everything. Yeah. Which I'm be- saying like she, a lot. It's real emotional type stuff. So it's kind of it's kind but of But before note. we continue, though, if that's all they needed, why didn't Bones just bring the vaccine with him to give to her? Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. He has everything else Once in again, his fucking they, man landed, purse. The, they landed on the planet with her. The Enterprise took off to do this other duty. Therefore, Bones they, was on the they planet knew, already. They had to know. But Bones is on the planet. No, Bones is on the planet already. And he, no, he probably didn't show up because she was sick. He, they probably were there to be like part of the 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 talks. And then maybe something else happened. Yeah, she, that could be. Yeah, I figured it was something like either they were in the neighborhood and she was sick and they have the facilities, or yes, like they were there as part of the talk and like she contracted the disease while she was there on the planet or whatever. Yep. Something. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Spock calls him outside, and uh, they they all go to the door, and they see the, the a cloud thing just ch- kind of chilling out there, just like, hey, like you guys going to invite me in or nah? And they do not invite it in, so it, it vanishes after a moment. And so Kirk goes back inside to ask Cochran what was out there. And Cochran says, oh, you know, sometimes the light just plays trick on you, tricks on you. Uh, and Kirk's just like... Bullshit. Like, yeah. And Cochran says that it was uh, it was Aurora Borealis, localized entirely <laughs> in his front yard. And no, Kirk isn't allowed to see at this, it. At the time of the year? <laughs> yeah, at this, at this time of the year. year. <laughs> uh, so Spock insists that uh, the entity was real, and he asks for an explanation. And Cochran says that there's really nothing to explain. So Kirk gets super serious, and he says that he has a low tolerance level for where like the safety of his people are concerned. And he demands an ex- an explanation from Cochrane. And I really enjoy this side of Kirk. Like, I like uh, intimidating, pissed off Kirk. Like, he gets, like, he just flips it in a second. Gets super fucking serious. He's like, look, I'm not fucking around here, buddy boy. Like, tell me what's going on. I, I do too, but he only cares if you're not a security guard. Yeah. Yeah, if you notice, um, when, when uh, Kirk does get serious, they do the lighting where half of his face is blocked in darkness. Yeah. Yeah, yep. like it'll. It's an angle, like the light angle lights up part of his face, and the half is dark, so he looks even more menacing when he does his little uh, rants. Yeah, that's that's dark Kirk coming out. Well, you don't <laughs> mess with dark Kirk. <laughs> is, is that so, uh, uh, is that is that Empire Kirk from the parallel universe that's coming out? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I like it. It's in there. We know it is. Uh, so Cochran gives in, and he says that uh, he calls the cloud the companion, and it's not the companion cube like in Portal, uh, but he. Uh, it brought his disabled ship there and uh, saved his life. And he said that uh, he was dying and that he was an old man and uh, the companion made him young again. 
And Spock wants to know exactly what the companion is, but Cochrane says that he doesn't know, but he does know that uh, he can communicate with it. Um, and it's really weird because, like, McCoy and uh, and Spock are really, uh, like, they don't they don't believe this for a second. They're like, I, I don't know about this. Like, none of this is really adding up. But honestly, like, this is probably the most believable scenario that they've encountered the entire fucking series. Like, not long ago, <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, like, like one fu- of the... dealing with ghosts and giant cats. And now they're like, no, this can't be real. Like, yeah, like, you've been, you guys like you've, been around, yeah, you've been around so much. Like, this should be very plausible. Like, you should believe this almost yeah. immediately. Yeah, they're just, but they're just not buying it, like, at all. They're just, just really, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, Kirk asks Cochran uh, what his first name is, and he says that it's Zephram. Then he, he asks, uh, he's like, wait, are you, like, the Zephram Cochran that discovered the space warp? And Cochran, like, yep, that's me. And uh, McCoy says that Zephram Cochran died 150 years ago. And then we uh, go to a commercial break. So uh, we come back from the break. Spock is explaining that they've named uh, entire cities and universities and whole planets after Cochran. And they really don't believe that it's him. And uh, he explains uh, that when he was 87, the that's when the companion found him. And Kirk's like, what the hell were you doing in space at 87 years old? And Cochran actually is really sad. He says that he was tired and that he wanted to go die in space. <laughs> so, I mean... That's just a, that's a great story. I mean, it makes perfectly sense. Yeah, he's like, I was going to die. I'm going to die in space. Fuck it. And uh, Spock was like, well, you know, his body really, it never was found. So maybe this is really him. And uh, McCoy just goes over and he scans Hedford. And uh, she's not doing too great. And he asks her to lay down and rest. And she's just like, leave me alone, you piece of shit doctor <laughs> trying to save my life. Like, I just want to be left alone. So he does. For a minute, I, I thought that um, hysteria was going to be part of the the sickness like if they had said overreacting and 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 being um you know mentally whatever is part of the sickness her this episode was going to be amazing if they had said that all they all they had to do was say that it makes you hysterical and i was like and i was gonna be like yo this is the best acting ever because her hysterical is over the top but they never said that that's just her personality so it made her unlikable yeah turns out she's just shitty yeah, if they said disease kidding. she has mess with your mentality, makes you whatever, like, you know, it'd have been made this so much better of an episode. Yeah, it would have been a hell of a lot better. Um, but uh, McCoy goes over to Kirk and he tells her, tells Kirk that they only have a few hours to cure her. And, and Kirk says, so? He says, I don't give a fuck. I'll just let her die. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he doesn't really respond at all. He, he does seem like he is not at all interested in her life at this point. Well, uh, you know, at this point, like, Dude, I know she's dying. I'm trying to get us off the planet. Yeah. There's a weird space blob energy thing out there that won't allow yeah, us to go. McCoy has a real problem with uh, prioritization in this episode. Like, you have a series of problems, but you can't solve problem two without solving problem one. And he doesn't give a shit about <laughs> problem one. Like, my guy, like, there's a, there's an order of things here. But uh, Cochran explains that uh, he cannibalized his ship. And the companion gives him everything that he needs. And he says that the companion makes things out of the native elements there. So uh, Kirk wants him to find out why they're there. And Cochran says that he already knows why they're there and that they are there to keep him company. Uh, He says he told the companion that uh, he's going to die of loneliness and that he hoped that the companion would uh, release him. But instead, the companion just brought other people there for for him instead. So uh, Hedford starts freaking out. And I, she's just talking about how like she doesn't want to die and all this shit. She's just like, oh, we're you know we're not animals. Like this isn't right. Overreaction like, again. Overreaction. That's what I'm saying. Like, why can't they say that uh, if they just said the sickness makes you hysterical? This episode would have been so much better. At well, least that part would have been better. I was huh? gonna say, hold on. In her defense on that part, though, I'd be a little bit pissed too if some space. Well, cloud no, but, came to duck me, well, treating me like I was an animal. Though I, I, I agree with that, but her reaction wasn't to the level yet like her reaction was like immediate it wasn't rising like yeah. a lot, like like a lot, her reaction should have been like uh noticing noticing realizing the issue and then reacting her reaction was already reacting without she's at level 10 already it wasn't a build-up yeah. to the to the 10 and and the whole episode she'd been overreacting anyway so she's been this overreacting already so it's just, it's just more annoying instead of being like i don't know because because everybody else reacted normal so her reaction was just next level so i just i don't know yeah, it's 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 really out of place. Like you said, like she just went straight to ten, 
And, like, we don't really know enough about her to know if this is how she always is. And obviously, like you said, they should have made it so that the disease, like, makes you, like, irrational or some shit. <laughs> Just, like, but, like, for now, I, I get it. Like, I get it. You're dying. But there are other things you have to do first. So, like, it just, I don't know. None of it feels like it fits together right at right. this point. But uh, McCoy says, fuck this shit. And he takes her to lay down and he injects her with something to put her to sleep. Because <laughs> he's had it with... Uh, <laughs> Enough. <laughs> basically with Daily. <laughs> he's like, you know what? This is going to knock you out and you're never going to wake up. Uh, so Kirk uh, asks Spock to go take some readings and see if he can find a weapon that they can use against a companion. And uh, he asked Cochran uh, what would happen to him if he left the planet. And uh, Cochran says that he would start aging normally again. So Kirk's like, well, you know, do you want to leave here? Because you can't die here. And uh, Cochran says that immortal immortality is it consists largely of boredom. And I, I get that, especially if you're trapped on that planet. Like, it'd be cool to be immortal if you could go anywhere you wanted. But to be immortal sitting on a fucking rocky wasteland which would not be very fun. <laughs> and, and by yourself. Yeah, by yourself like that, with this that, weird that's cloud the, that won't leave you alone. The, yeah, the isolation, yeah. The the by yourself thing is really the really the big part of it. Yeah. Eventually you would think you would just lose your shit, right? Like he's been there 150 years. Like he, he I think he would be crazy as fuck by now. No, the so maybe we should give him a little no, bit of a break with not, his, uh... He's not been by himself the whole time. He's been with a companion. Yeah, but he can't talk to it. it but it's there though. I mean, to him, it's like it's his Wilson. Like it might as well be a fucking volleyball. Like it's a magic volleyball. Uh, well, I'm just, but I'm just saying though. Like, but yeah, but they they do communicate. They can't talk, but they do communicate because they communicate is whenever she does whatever for him. Like, yeah. like even even when she brought them to, she, she brought a Captain M down. That was a communication. She felt that he could die, he would die without companionship. So she reached out there yeah. and brought them in. After a while, though, you think you'd want like you know human touch like you'd want to feel like another person instead of just a weird cloud thing on you you probably want it but if you know that the human touch is impossible and all you can feel is the energy of this cloud and that's all you have then that you probably get used to it yeah uh, too deep. so he goes on he, he goes on to uh ask what it's like in the galaxy and and kirk tells him about all the planets that have intelligent life and uh, he convinces cochran to help them escape uh, like he, it didn't take very much. Cochran just like you, son of a bitch. I'm in other planets. Right. <laughs> uh, so at the shuttle, Spock is uh, working on some stuff, and the companion just shows up behind him. And he, for some reason, his first instinct is to try to touch it, which is not very Spock-like. Uh, but it causes like this little explosion and like throws him off to the side, and there it sets their shuttle on fire. Which apparently, not to jump ahead, but but was. Of no consequence, <laughs> it burned up their fucking electrical yeah, panels. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Like maybe she fixed it with her whatever she did before she jumped to uh, became oh, whatever. They they get beamed off at the end, so it didn't matter. Um, so we go back to the shelter, and Kirk asks Cochran if the companion could help with Hedford's disease, and Cochran says he doesn't know, but he's willing to give it a try. And he goes outside, and he has to clear his mind, and that summons a companion. So the uh, companion summons nearby, oh, and then it just yeah. kind of like envelops him, like it just goes over him. Yeah, oh, and uh, yeah. Kirk like McCoy had like this really weird. <laughs> 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 yeah. They have this really weird conversation, and they're like, "Oh, it's kind of like a symbiosis," and like, eh, "It's kind of like this, kind of this." Kirk's like, "Oh, I think it's like love." And I was, I fucking slapped my forehead because it's the cheesiest <laughs> horse shit I've ever fucking heard. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like love. I'm like, shut the fuck up and yeah. immediately i immediately checked out of this episode <laughs> i was like no don't so, do this yeah. to me. don't fucking I, do I, this i didn't actually i didn't check it i let it go because i knew what they were trying to say they just wrote it terribly like yeah it's cheesy we crossed into melodrama i, I yeah i like there was that should have been a better way to like uh describe it like it's not violent it's more like a, you know there should have been a way to describe it better but i get what you're saying yeah, we like, oh, the cloud really seems like it cares for him. Like, no, it's it's love. No, yeah. Symbiotic worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's love. Uh, so the companion leaves and uh, they approach Cochran and he tells them that the, the cube, the cube, yeah, the cloud can't help Hedford. Uh, but he says that he'll do anything that he can do to help. So we go a little bit later and McCoy finds Spock at the shuttle and Spock says that the companion attacked him. And he's amused that it used simple electricity. And so they have this little, like, 
brainstorming session and McCoy is like, am I right in thinking that anything that generates electricity can be shorted out? And Spock's like, hell yeah, brother, you're catching on. <laughs> so we cut to a little bit later and Spock is explaining this box that he pulled out of his ass. And he's yeah. like, yeah, when I press this button, it's going to scramble the <laughs> electrical impulses have it on the ship. Like, how yeah, like, I can't keep this in case we fight he electric. That, okay. He, Spock built it that quick. It looks really nice. Like he even did a really nice like shell for it, like a case around all the internal. He, he built it out of spare parts of, of the guy's house. Okay, he, he built, built a fucking little symbol on it. Yeah, he, be- he just, built it so fast you didn't so see weird. it. Don't, don't, man, Spock, I know you built it, bro. It's okay. You built it quick because you're so smart. I know what's going on. I got he your back, his Spock. Fucking three D printer so he could print the case for it and everything. He took he took a old he took a old battery. He did some work on it. He he built a little shelf for it. He did his thing. I got you, Spock. I, yeah. know, I know you built it, buddy. They could have at least said that. Like, I've, you know, constructed this device and this should help us out. No, because no, I, just, just, I he assume just he did it. I, I just well, assumed he did it that quick. Dude, maybe it's so maybe, nice looking. He didn't build that. Maybe Spock it. is just a Boy Scout. He he just comes prepared. Yeah. yeah. You never know. Uh, Cochran is feeling bad about potentially destroying the companion because the companion saved his life and he's somewhat loyal to it and he doesn't want to kill it. But Kirk insists that, uh, he's like, look, I will do whatever I need to do to save everybody's lives. And everybody actually has this nice moment where they actually sympathize with Cochran, but they're like, look, we're like, we're really sorry. Like we don't want to do it either, but we have to do it. And that's kind of a redeeming quality in this episode is that for once, you know, they're not just like, this thing is a bad thing and we have to kill it. Uh, they're like, we don't want to do this, but we have to do this. So uh, Cochran says that he will contact the, the companion again, and he goes outside, and he's to like... the same spot. Apparently, he can only contact it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right in that <laughs> like, exact spot. Like, don't okay, don't be hate, from we, your, we, you know, we cannot afford We cannot afford to film the scene over and over again and to get the CGI correct, okay? Therefore, both <laughs> time he does, we're using the same insert because we cannot afford to have the CGI monster come multiple times. Yeah, they they shot these in like what a week or two weeks? Like they had to they had to be quick. Got to cut corners. They use the same scene. They use the same scene twice in a row. So, yeah. But uh, but before he goes out though, he stops and he's like, "What was that called? A Judas goat?" Is what he says. And I was like, "What the fuck is a Judas goat?" So I looked it up, and a Judas goat is a goat that is used in uh, general animal herding, and it is trained to associate with sheep or cattle and lead them to a specific destination, usually for slaughter, while its own life is spared. So it's literally just a trained goat that herds things to go get killed and the goat does not get killed. So it's a Judas. It betrays them. Like it, it gathers, it gets in with their group and then like takes so them that's to die. Li- oh, so it, that's literally what he was doing. He was luring her in and yeah. her song. Okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, di- I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, Cochran summons a companion again and it appears again and it envelops him again. And uh, Spock turns on the box, and the companion starts flashing and gets pissed, and it just fucking chucks Cochran to the ground. And then we get this wild scene where a cloud is menacingly approaching the the crew. Like, the way that it's shot, I mean, it's not not bad. Like, it's not cheesy, it's not weird. It's just, like, never something I expected to see in my life is where they made this fucking colorful cloud look menacing. And, like, the cloud looked mad. Like, how do you make a cloud look mad? They did it. Yeah, but they did it, and it approaches them, and yeah. it goes in the, the shelter, and it throws the box down, and it just starts beating the fuck out of those two. <laughs> like, absolutely beating the shit out of them. And McCoy is in the corner. He's like, stop. Stop it. You're choking them. Stop. And he's just losing his shit over there. And then we go to commercial break, and we come hey, back, so and cool. McCoy's still. He's like, you're choking them. You're choking them. They're, they're being force <laughs> choked. It's so fucking crazy. They're getting their ass kicked by a cloud. And uh, Cochran, uh, he recovers and he clears his mind and that summons the cloud back outside. But Jesus Christ, that thing was beating the shit out of them. Uh, you know, it's, so, it's not its not too often that both Spock and Kirk get their ass kicked like that. Yeah, they, yeah by the same being at the same time. But what <laughs> a unique, just what a unique fight for a, a episode. Like the uniqueness of the fight was cool. The CGI, that, like that was really cool idea of a fight. Like I would never thought of it. Oh, dude, I loved it. I loved it. That's the best fight scene so far in this <laughs> I, I, never, I never would have, <laughs> I never would have thought of it. That's how cool it was. It's very original. Cloud. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the companion leaves, and uh, and everyone looks outside to see it merging with Cochrane again, and Kirk blames himself. Once again, this is the second time in this series where he's feeling bad because he's just generally useless here and he can't do anything. And McCoy is like, look, you've been a soldier so often that you forget that you're also trained to be a diplomat. 
and he suggests uh, trying a carrot instead of a stick, which is weird that that wasn't their first try, like first thought. They're like, like why don't we try talking? <laughs> to yeah, answer. they're immediately like fucking up, and then they're like, wait a yeah, minute, you that are thing right because hard. Kurt's Kurt's normal thing is to c- communicate first instead of action first. So th- that was very unlike him to automatically go to that. But I assumed that he thought that since this guy's been trapped for 150 years, maybe he, the, the entity itself was like unnegotiable. Uh, negotiable or whatever like yeah so yeah and yeah i guess if you can't really communicate with it but right here is really weird because they immediately go like kirk goes and talks to spock and he's like hey get that universal translator out of the shuttle so we can talk to this thing like you're just now remembering that like that wasn't the first thing you thought of when cochran said that you can't that he has no way of communicating is like well we have his universal translator yeah but yeah but hold on now that they know that the the entity is also electrical. Maybe that allows him to use it to translate it differently. Like, you know, since, uh, since we, we can go with that, yeah. you're really trying to save this episode. Are you? Yes, I am <laughs> dude, because I'm telling you there's so, there's so many, like the subtle, the subtle, uh, the way my brain works, man. I just see, I, I see things differently. So I, I, I understand their whole thinking so much. I, I go for the weird. I, I really stuff, thought right? you were going to be on my side with this. No, one. man, no, <laughs> because I'm so disappointed in you. No, I'm telling you, you got to think about it. Now they know it's electrical. Now they know they can communicate with it by the electricity, electricity wires or whatever. See, I got your back, guys. Don't worry, I got your back. The whole I episode. Shouldn't, I shouldn't have to. They're supposed. I shouldn't have to think about it. They're supposed to tell me like how nah. the shit works. That's, no, that's their whole. It's, they tell stories. Star Trek's for the smart people. Okay, the dumb people watch other shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the smart people watch Star Trek. Uh, maybe I'm not smart enough for Star Trek, though. Uh, you, you, they, they episode entertain you and you learn at the same time. Look at that. Yeah. And, and that's sad because your first chair. <laughs> you're all <laughs> yeah, fucked. You're the captain. <laughs> uh, Spock's not sure if he can use the translator, and Kirk just gives him a quick pep talk. He's like, I believe in you, buddy. Uh, you can do anything you put your mind to. And uh, he's just like, okay. <laughs> so they go do that. <laughs> what uh, a pep talk. Kirk and McCoy, they go and check on Hedford, and she's getting worse. Uh, so then we go to the Enterprise for once, for the first time this episode, and Scotty is doing a, a captain's log, and he's detailing the missing shuttle. And then we get more weird-ass writing here, because Uhura is like, okay, we're nearing the last known point, or the last known position of the shuttlecraft. And Scotty orders them to do a, a full scanner sweep, and Sulu finds a, a strong particle concentration, so they lay in a course for it, because they're like, okay, like, that's like the signature from the, the shuttle's engines or whatever, or it could be from the cloud on it. It's just, it's something. So as they get to it, uh, the particles disappear and they don't get any more readings. And Ahura and Scotty are having a quick discussion on what they think happened and what they're going to do. And Scotty's like, like Ahura's just kind of like, you know, there's there's a lot of space. You know, they're just missing. I don't think that this is worth it. And Scotty's like, well, we're just, we're going to keep, lo- we're going to keep looking. And Ahura's like, well, you know, it's a real big galaxy, like, you know, like we're never gonna find him, and she walks away, and that's so out of character yeah. for her. Like it she was, seems like she just doesn't want to find them. Scotty, it would be even more weird. Scotty, like you know what? You're right. Fuck them. I'm the captain yeah. now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've always been put it, put each other over the ship a lot of times. Like their their yeah their, their companionship with the captain, whatever, has been more important than the ship many, many times. So why was she so quick to be like, oh, we cool? Yeah, it's really weird and out of character. Like it does not fit Uhura at all. Yeah. I understand that. Um, but also, I kind of miss being on the Enterprise bridge at this point. <laughs> Sick of this <laughs> fucking rocky wasteland bullshit. Give us back the bridge. You know, yeah, also, it's, also, it's good thing Kirk left Scotty in charge on this one. Right. Because you're you heard with left quick. Yeah. She's just like, they're gone. But Fuck I, it, I think she's go. number five anyway. I think. I think it goes him, then Sulu, then her. Think, well, and well, then don't, that for, one don't random forget guy. about the replacement captain. Oh, uh, oh, that one, that one random, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about him. So uh, we go back to the planet and Spock is working on the translator as Kirk explains how it works to Cochran. And Spock says that it's ready to go. And Cochran goes outside to call the companion again. And uh, at this point, I feel like the companion is going to show up and it's going to be like, what? Like, quit fucking calling me <laughs> for nothing. Like, I keep showing up. <laughs> you, you, you know, you want me to cure somebody and I can't. You give me a tactic. I got to beat the fuck out of these dudes. Like, what? What do you what do you want? Actually, your reaction right now is very uh, masculine of you, sir. And since the energy is, fem- the energy is feminine, she's just coming. You see, look, look, you're gonna tell me. I, you're gonna I, tell I, me I, that I, women don't get upset. Uh, I'm gonna say, but not, not the hey, not the light woman. She's like, she. This is a submissive light uh, message, okay? She's like, whatever you want, I'll be there for you. 
I just think of it clear my mind, yeah. and I just come every time. Brandon, I I thought the same thing. I was like, man, this companion is gonna be like, what the fuck do you want? Like, yeah, you, you, you've attacked me. You've asked no. me for shit that I can't do. The, the companion loves him. Okay, she's coming to discomfort him. Yeah, she's, she's, she's very patient times. with him. I will give her that. She has the patience of a saint. <laughs> um, but but yeah, she shows up and uh, then she merges again, and then Kirk. Uh, well, at this point, we don't know that it's a she. But I'm just saying she because we uh, we know that it's a she already. But yeah. I had that he calls to it because we didn't know. And it approaches him. And then the, the translator uses a woman's voice. And the companion wonders how they can hear her thoughts. And Spock finds it interesting that it's feminine. And he says that uh, this this could change the entire situation. And he is right. And But Kirk says he's already way ahead of him. Which well, I, I took it to mean he's going to fuck it. I, I, I like how Spock's all of a sudden like, you know what? We're stranded and there's someone dying in the house, but this is the opportunity to get to talk to this, you know, yeah. space cloud. Yeah. I mean, Spock is the one that's normally curious about the weird stuff, which is why earlier when you made a comment about him not being the one to touch that, I thought I, I said I disagree with that actually. I think Spock would be the because he wants to experience everything as a science officer. Therefore, I think his first yes. reaction would be to touch it to see what it feels like. Just like this right here, where he's like, oh, no, I want to communicate with it because it's an opportunity to learn what we can learn from it. So I thought him touching it instantly, immediately would be something he would do because he wants to learn what it feels like to touch that light. I could see that from any scientist but Spock. Like, he, he would need, like, to study it first and he would need the appropriate, like, PPE. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> see him as the type to just go around touching shit. Like, he's got to analyze it and all that. I honestly saw when he went to go touch it, he was gonna do like the Vulcan mind read on it, or yeah, or something. I think I think the the term scientist itself is kind of curious in nature. So Spock is always curious, some like curious in a lot of things. Like sometimes, it's, but I think sometimes it's over curious here and there. But it's a kind of a balance. But yeah, I was pretty sure when Kirk said that he was way ahead of uh, Spock on this, that he was just he was gonna fuck this cloud once he found out that it was a woman. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna here. take her into the house. I'm going to have my way with her. I'm going to get her to choke me again. The views and opinions, time. The views and opinions then, on this uh, show are not shared with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Kirk says that uh, he's like, yeah, that thing, it's, that's a that's a lover cloud there. And uh, he tells her that it's wrong to keep them against their will. And she says that the man, uh, being Cochran, uh, needs the company of his own kind or he's going to die. And Kirk explains the, the whole situation with Hedford, how she's going to die. But the companion is basically uninterested. Uh, she, she already, she's doing the female thing. I don't like other women. I don't care. Yeah. She <laughs> well, she's like, look, I already told you I can't cure her. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I don't give a shit. Uh, but uh, Kirk explains that it's in the nature of their species to be free and that they'll cease to exist in captivity. And uh, she just says that their bodies have stopped their peculiar, or pe- yeah, peculiar, peculiar, uh, degeneration and uh, that nothing is going to harm them. So this is where Spock wants to ask. He wants Kirk to ask about her nature and her history. And Kirk's like, "Look, this is that's not the time for this shit." Which maybe it is. Maybe if you get to know her a little bit, you know, she'll be more willing to open up to your uh, your want to get off the planet. <laughs> but uh, Kirk, he just he repeats his argument. I the dialogue in this episode is fucking atrocious because he repeats the same shit over and over, and the cloud like they have. It's just a, it's a back and forth of literally them saying the same thing. And I'm not going to just continue to like keep typing that. Yep. He just talks about how he went, how they need to be free or they're not going to exist anymore. Like he literally does this fucking over and over. And uh, <laughs> at this point, so he does this and the companion says that the, the, the communication is useless at this point and uh, the man must continue. So they will continue. And then she disappears and they go back inside. So she's like, listen, this isn't getting anywhere. I'm leaving. Fuck this. So she does. So, Cochran asks why uh, Kirk built the translator with a female voice, and Kirk says that he didn't, and that the companion is a female. So McCoy explains that Cochran isn't a pet, but uh, a lover to the companion. I was going to say, he, get, he gets very upset by this uh, idea. Yeah, he's very not cool with it. He's like, that thing loves me? That, th- <laughs> that fucking loves me? Like, you were using me for love? So Spock notes that the companion is different with Cochran than it is with them, and uh, he says that he doesn't understand the emotion, but the companion loves Cochran. And then that's when Cochran gets pissed off and he's like, it, it, she used me like she, she used me for love. We're at all. I don't like that. <laughs> she she, she again, also kept over, you alive. Another overreaction. Another overreaction. Yeah. Um, Spock yeah, doesn't I, see the issue. He's like, well, you know, this this actually may have been beneficial to you. 
And uh, actually, none of them see the issue. They're all just like, go, go, bro. Like, you did it. Like, you got her to fall in love with you. <laughs> you, you were literally inside her. <laughs> no, no, no. She was inside him. <laughs> Terrible joke. <laughs> she was Fully um, inside her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cochran asks, uh, he's like, look, do the men of the future have no decency or morality? And he says that he's not going to be fodder for any inhuman monster. And uh, and then he leaves. And Spock's like, well, that's really fascinating. I don't understand what the deal is. Uh, and Hedford then starts calling for McCoy. And uh, she talks about how she doesn't want to die. And she says that she's been good at her job, but she's never been loved. And I was like, please stop with the love stuff. Like, this this has to stop. Stop hating. Like, love is a beautiful thing. Shut up. <laughs> 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 don't, don't, don't be hating on love. <laughs> Uh, this is it's Ribriano all over wait again. Wait till we get to the end, then I get to do my, my thing about my snot, uh, the end up. Wait till we get to the end. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so on the Enterprise, uh, we go back there. Scotty gives a log saying that they're still searching, and we're on the bridge, and Sulu informs Scotty that they're approaching an asteroid belt. And Scotty's like, they're, they're the basically odds? like, look, it's, yeah, they're going to like, what are the odds that, you know, one of these has them? And like, there, there are a shit ton of them, and it's going to take us forever to scan. And Scotty says, fuck it, we got forever, let's do it. But Uhura protests, and she says that there are thousands of asteroids that they could be on. And uh, Scotty says, well, we're going to look over them one by one. And so, again, she's just like, "Like this is going to take forever. I don't want to do this. It's just terrible writing for her. I feel like she's holding a grudge against Kirk for something that he that did off screen. Like, did he not approve a vacation day or did she not get <laughs> so a raise? So much she just wants right. to leave him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of him as captain. So... <laughs> We go back to the planet, and Cochran has summoned the companion again, and Kirk asks her if she loves the man, the man being Cochran. Cochran. Uh, companion says that she does not understand, so Kirk tries to explain love to her, and he continues his argument for letting them go again, saying they would cease to exist. Same verbiage as before, and she still doesn't understand. She says that Cochran's not going to cease to exist because he doesn't age, and Kirk says that she only speaks of the body, and he's speaking of the spirit. So... He talks about Hedford and her illness, and he says that the same thing is going to happen to Cochran if she doesn't let them go, and she still doesn't understand, so he explains that humanity needs obstacles or they're going to weaken and, and die, and she, does, she doesn't agree. She's like, I disagree with that, and this conversation is on, it's honestly just fucking infuriating. Like, they just keep going around in circles, nothing new happens, and it's just, it's terrible writing. So, uh, so they go back and forth on the same thing for a minute. And Kirk says that she doesn't know love because she isn't human. And uh, she wonders maybe if Cochran would love her if she was a human. And then she just disappears. Um, Kirk explains to the crew that he was hoping to convince her that if she loves Cochran, she should let him go. Uh, and Spock explains that he can't expect her to react like a human. And then I was like, why doesn't Spock do the explaining here? Like, he thinks logically, like, on the on the same level is this cloud i feel like he would be able to find you know some words and some terms to make her understand like he he should be pretty good at it but he's underutilized in season one and so we don't let him do anything anymore oh so yeah you think since spot is able to bake a basic thing down the very logic it'd be smarter for him to do you know i agree with you this time it's like he has the same viewpoint where he doesn't understand love like so he's he able gets, to so it he, might be easier for him to simplify things for yeah, like he doesn't understand yeah. it, but he understands that they feel it. Yeah, like okay. what it is. He ju- he doesn't under he doesn't feel it, but he understands it. I guess. And yeah, like, like this conversation is an emotional conversation. Conversation is more logic. Therefore, Spock would be the one to do it. I like it. it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so they hear Hedford's voice call out to Cochrane, and then they turn and see her standing in the doorway. But her voice was all like echoey and you know like godly or whatever. And then we go to a commercial break. And we come back, and McCoy scans her and says that she's not sick. And Cochran's like, oh my god, it's a companion. So uh, Hedford slash companion uh, says that... We are Venom. Uh, yeah, basically, the ones that they knew as the commissioner and as the companion are now both in there. And uh, she explains that the sick part of Hedford was too weak to continue, so they let it go. And uh, they're they're now both in one body. Which, that's what I do when I get sick. I'm like, you know what, that illness is weak. Just let it go, and then it just leaves my body. Did she uh, consent to this? They never really answered you know, that. This was a point I was going to raise at the uh, end of this episode, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It's it's a little okay. Gray. It's death, or we get together. 
the uh, the choice is pretty obvious there. I mean, maybe they made it for her, like in the background, they made some kind of deal. But if you know, if uh, let's go, you know, if you're about to die and somebody comes to you and offers you a, a deal, nine times out of ten, you're like, uh, nine nine percent, you're like, oh, I'll take that. If this episode were going to be made today, I guarantee you they would show some sort of conversation between Hedford and the cloud where the cloud goes, look, you're sick and you're dying. You know, I just want to love this guy. And she goes, yeah, I was just complaining that I've never been loved and I don't love anybody. So, yes, please take over my body and we can be together. I feel like that is an important uh, scene to have. (laughs) Maybe not as important then, but it is now. I agree with you. Well, uh, uh, spoiler alert, Moon Knight is just kind of that way, too. Like, the Moon Knight I have not. C- okay, I haven't seen it, but. No, the character, um, like his origin story. Okay. Um. So, yeah, uh, she approaches Cochran, and he backs away, and uh, she's like, oh, shit, this is what loneliness is not his like. <laughs> like, this is pretty fucking terrible. How do you live like this? She's like, why did I make this deal? Like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Kirk tells Spock to check on the status of their shuttle and, uh, Hedford explains that Hedford, Hedford slash companion explains that everything is now going to operate as it was before, even though it caught on fire. It should be absolutely fine, I guess. Uh, she says that she can't do anything to stop them from leaving now. And she explains that she is now human and she will know love and she will know death. And Cochran says that she's beautiful. And then they decide to be together and they hold hands and go for a walk. So well, what an amazing story! They might have done something else. No, they went and walked. They went. They went. Held hands and walked. There you mind. Okay. They just. They just met each other. They. They just touched for the first time. No. They're trying to figure things out. No, 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 no. They've known each other for 150 years. He's been yeah. inside her plenty of times. <laughs> oh, get out of it! <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, now they can finally speak to each other, so that's cool. At least. Yes. Um. We go back to the Enterprise, and Uhura got a transmission from Kirk, and she patches it through to Scotty, and uh, they can basically go and pick up everyone in 57 minutes. And Scotty asks what happened, and Kirk says that he can't tell him now because he doesn't know how it will end. And I was like, I, I, I fucking hate this. Like, Stop <laughs> with this cheesy horse shit. Like, this episode fell apart so fast. So fast. Do, do you think Scotty's going to tell Kirk, like, hey, Uhura, I wanted to leave you behind? Like, yeah. you might want to have a talk with her? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know what you did, but she did not want to find you guys. <laughs> um, so Cochran is, uh, he's telling Hedford about all the things that he's going to show her in space, but she says that she can't go with him. And she explains that if she leaves the planet for more than a small amount of time, she's going to cease to exist. And I'm so tired of them saying cease to exist. Uh, she has to return there to continue living. She basically compares it to him having to eat food to survive. Um, and Cochran says that even if she stays, she's going to eventually die. But she's like, yeah, that's cool. I, like, I'm fine with that. And so he's like, you know what? Fuck it then. I'm going to stay here with you. And then they, they make out. So the Enterprise is now currently orbiting and standing by to beam the crew up. And Cochran explains the situation to them and tells them that uh, he's going to stay with her on the planet there. And uh, Kirk basically tries to persuade him. He's like, look, if you like, there's adventures to be had out there. There's all kinds of sweet shit that I can show you. Uh, but he doesn't want to go. And, and Spock reminds him, like, look, you guys are going to eventually die. And Cochran's like, yeah, that, that's fine. I, I, really, I really don't care. You guys keep reminding me about this. But I, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with it. Um, so then uh, the crew gets beamed up to the ship. and uh, Or before they get beamed up to the ship. Uh, Cochran asks Kirk not to tell anybody about him, and, and Kirk's like, yeah, don't worry, I'm not going to. I'll just put it in my report, and everybody's going to know. And uh, McCoy asks about the war that Hedford was supposed to stop because they completely <laughs> fucking forgot about the war. And Kirk says, I'm sure the Federation will find another woman somewhere to stop the war. And then they walk away. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That I laughed so hard. hard. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, that was wild. Yeah. Um, my notes at the end of this, my thoughts on this are, what the fuck was this? Like, what was this? A woman potentially had her body stolen. Uh, A planet likely went to war at the end and probably billions of people or billions of living beings died. But it's cool because a man and a cloud in a woman's body fell in love. So there's no, no problems with any of this. I... It was not a first of all. That's not a happy ending. Those those planets are going to war and they're fucked. Hey, and you a lady finally wanted a not happy ending. <laughs> yeah, but 
Jesus, but they framed it as a happy ending, and that's the issue. Is that like, well, you know, everything worked out just fine. Like, did it? Yeah, only the love story <laughs> mattered, man. Come on, man. Hater. Uh, Dan, you want to go with this one? Because I know where Paul's going. Uh, you know what? This episode wasn't perfect, but I actually liked it. Oh, my God. I, 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 I <laughs> There was some bad dialogue. I'll give you that. But overall... I get what they were going with it. I, I enjoyed the episode. I Okay, I didn't say, but I'll say now. It's not my least favorite, but I did not like this. I liked the idea in the beginning, and then they just flipped it around on me so quick. I do agree, though. Like, towards the end, they should have had like the cloud and her talking, like making like a deal, like, hey, you're going to die, and I want to be loved. Do you want to be loved? Like, yeah, there, there's no, one? there's no, there was no showing of actual consent between the two of them. Like, oh, all, all we know is the cloud just took her over. Like, it now we're, now we are one. Yeah, you know what would have been great is if uh, when the cloud got in there and got to know her, they actually they fell in love and they're like, we don't, <laughs> we don't fucking need Cochran. Like, <laughs> the cloud and the lady in one in one body end up falling in love and it works out for them and Cochran is just left alone you're trying to promote a lady on lady relationship sir in the middle mm, so when they hook up does that mean he's having a threesome technically (laughs) oh god yeah I mean physically no mentally yes yes well he he made out pretty good then wow how did we turn a whole episode about a cloud into sex stuff that's because you guys ruined (laughs) the the whole episode you Yeah, but my opinion, no, my opinion is different. My opinion is episode was amazing, okay? Uh, Brandon is, hates love, and he hates romance. <laughs> he hates it all, okay? He's just a hater, 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 okay? I liked everything about the episode except the one thing, and that's the sickness and the her, her hysteria. They went with a stereotype woman that likes too emotional, and it didn't make it be part of her disease. If they had said the sickness made her hysterical or whatever, this episode would have been like a 10 of 10. Like right now, it's about an 8, and that's just because that one little small thing they didn't do. But I never laughed so much. I never was so more uncomfortable. I never was more happier. I never was more whatever. Like, I did every, every – this episode made me laugh. You know, it made me feel emotional. It made me, you know, made me get my heart a little bit. It made me feel all the emotions. Therefore, to me personally, I think this episode was amazing. And I enjoyed every moment of watching it. Like, even the corny parts, I enjoyed it. Like, it just, I smiled and laughed the whole time watching the episode. It was just, to me, it was great. So It's just so cheesy. That, that's what's so one question awesome for you. Like, like, the issue with the cheesiness is the fact that, like, so I love, like, 80s and 70s movies. And I know they're cheesy and over the top. Like, Kung Fu movies, they're all cheesy. But the cheesiness is what makes them good. The cheesy love story of this is what makes the episode so good. Because the the, the, the cheesiness, yes, it's corny and goofy, but for the times and what it is, I appreciate it for what it is. So I just think it, I just think it was fun. I, I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Paul, really quick, one question yeah. for you. Was she down with the sickness? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> she was not down with just, that. No, she actually wanted to live. I just, <laughs> she, like, she the episode did not to me that. was so, like, I viewed it so much differently because I think they made a bunch of small mistakes in here and there. But, like, overall of the episode, I was way into it. Like, 10 minutes in, I was into it. Like, I zoned in and I liked every moment of it. It's been a long time. Like, a long time since that episode, like, had me, like, lured in, like, this deep into it. I was just zoned in. I enjoyed every moment of it. So, I, yes, it was corny, I think- but I liked it. I think my biggest issue with it was the writing. Like, okay, have your your love story. That's fine. Like, do all that. But the characters were so inconsistent with how they had been previously. And, like, the writing, like, the conversations just kept going in a circle of them just repeating the same thing for two and three minutes at a time. So, like, I think if there was better writing, I would have enjoyed it a little more. But it's Uh just something about it was just off. Well, the writing you're complaining about, I I think it was like – the reason it bothered you so much because you understood it immediately, and it was supposed to be Kirk trying to say the same thing over in a different way to try to get it, convey it to the the, the entity that's itself. The thing. He didn't say it in a different way. He said it the same way every fucking time. You know, if you I go back and you look at that with subtitles. He just kept saying that they will cease to exist if they're not free. Like, no, we get it, dude. You said it three times before, and then yeah, the but fucking like, cloud I just kept going. Well, I don't understand that. I, I like well, it. He, he, he should have like got it. to like. The body won't die, but it's event. He should have got to the. It's bad for the soul or the spirit, right? And I, he, he should have conveyed got, he that, got that earlier. earlier. 
Yeah, but I, I didn't think he knew she even not understood that. Like, they, 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 that's one of the issues, though. It took a while to get there. I get that. Like, yeah. But I, like I said, I enjoyed yeah, it. Like, you have to build a base layer of understanding with this thing and then build on that. And he didn't. He just started at the fucking top. And he's like, well, I don't know why you don't understand. It's one of my favorite episodes, humans. I love this episode. They have one of my favorite ones, seriously. I really enjoyed it. With better with better writing, I think I could have liked it. And then again, the thing with Uhura really bothered me. I don't know why they made her like so unwilling to want to search for them. Like that's okay. not Uhura at all. I, I agree. Like, Uhura I agree would that. not have done that. I agree to that. So, I don't know, but I do know that our next episode is season two, episode ten, Journey to Babel. Uh, give me one second. I didn't have uh, both brought up this time. Oh, here you go. Join us about. Paul, here how long have we been doing this? Dude, I hit the wrong button a minute ago. <laughs> Tensions run high when the Enterprise transports ambassadors to the Babel conferences. So Ugh. from the, a little picture, it looks like we're going to be doing some political stuff. That doesn't sound very fun. Well, maybe it's yeah, the planet war fun. that was going on that she was supposed to fix. Like, like, hey, we got to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Now, see, that would have been... A, see, if that would have been the next episode, like part two, and then they had to go there and finish that, then that would have been really cool. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a very dialogue-driven episode, which means a lot of typing for me. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Like see, that's why you don't... I enjoy the, the political stuff. It's always entertaining. Yeah, I like it. I just hate making the notes for it. Because yeah. I don't want to type up every sentence that they say, like, yeah. word for word. So, okay. Anyway, do you guys have anything else on this one? Uh, I just want to say, uh, make sure you guys uh, go to our Twitter, which is? Uh, at WWST underscore podcast. Uh, we check it out every once in a while. Brandon, let's know what's going on. We appreciate you guys. Uh, I know we're about over 4,000 downloads now. I don't know how many of you guys are out there. But uh, we appreciate all, you, all the downloads and everything. Uh, we're enjoying it. Uh we figure out we're going to do this for a long time. We're going to try to finish up Star Trek. And then after this, uh, Star Trek, you might end up starting a different show. Who knows? But uh, we like your suggestions, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, hit the Twitter up. Let us know what's going on. Uh, we appreciate you guys. So thanks for, thanks for being uh, part of the crew. Yep. And uh, we're still we're, we're going to continue to be somewhat inconsistent here as well with releases. Like we're not like last season where we just hit every single week and didn't skip anything. We're kind of just just more feeling it out this time. So it just kind of is what it is. And, and that actually helps me enjoy it a lot more. So. Yep, yep. But anyway, uh, that's going to be it for this time, and uh, I will catch you guys next time. Later. Later.